you you were absolutely missed in Chicago. It would have been fun. Like I said earlier, we we definitely we stayed at just some you know half a star spa and resort thing. <laughs> Had a little classic iron... bar style. <laughs> yeah, we did a little. We brought in some chefs and did some Iron Chef competitions, <laughs> making salsa and uh, a mixed they, drink. And they figured some way for all of us to win. So they thought all of us were you know. Gen Z or something that we all had to get some. <laughs> wow. I'm pulling no punches today. It's Jerry Christmas. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So yeah, I bet everyone was excited. It was the first one in a couple of years. So yeah, welcome yeah. back for sure. It was. I think everybody was giddy, literally from, you know, just being able to say, oh, I, I see you. And, and, you know, it's not in a frame somewhere, you know, it's right. not just this big in the. Well, hopefully the multiple people challenged you all with coins from prior networking meetings. Ooh. Yes, there was some challenges. Yep. That is very true. Yeah, coins were out. It was it was good to see so many pants in one place, uh, which was kind of <laughs> nice. Like a lot of you know, in public again. Uh, we did give. Uh, I think Jerry, maybe that's what you're alluding to. We did give away uh, jackets at this meeting. That's true. We yeah, did. in addition to coins, right. it was nice the coins bag, but like CXR jackets, which were fun. All right, man, yeah. I missed out for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's whatever one. It was our 123rd colloquium, even though we don't use colloquium anymore. It's it's. <laughs> I can't spell it, Jerry. For seven years, I can't spell colloquium, so we say meetings. <laughs> I just I know, but I I like to use a unique word. You know, that's kind of cool. Yeah, no math and no spelling. That's why I'm in recruiting. Come on. Well, that's an awesome milestone. So, congrats to the two of you. I know you've been you've done so much for the advancement of this industry, keeping us all. Kind of facing in the direction we need to all be facing. So just thanks so much for continuing. It's a to fun do time. We're still having fun. Well, well you, you you've been a long time. Yeah, you've been yeah. a long time part of that, Charlotte. Yeah, it's been That's gosh, right. decades at least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. So you're ready to talk a little bit about what's going on in your life now? Are you ready to get started? Yeah, absolutely. All right, here we go. Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. everybody welcome back uh, to another edition of recruiting community podcast i am your host chris white president of career crossroads uh, if you're just dialing in or watching us or streaming us for the first time ever you're welcome uh, we actually bring uh, guests from all over the recruiting industry together to talk about what's top of mind for them we try to do it in these 20 minute conversations they are lighthearted, uh, but we do tackle a couple of challenging topics here and there uh, but we do have a lot of fun with practitioners and these leaders and, of course, these folks that are that are out doing the work and wanting to talk about what's going on in the space. So we're, we're thankful that you joined with us. Uh, you can listen to us anywhere. You listen to your favorite podcast as well as uh, social channels, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter uh, and YouTube. I think we stream there live as well. If you're just curious and you're looking for what's next and what we've done, we have the entire archive at CXR.works slash podcast. Before we jump in. 
I want to remind everybody of a free resource that's for our members we have created as well as our watchers and listeners and folks in the industry, and that is a recruiting jobs listing page. Uh, and that's at cxr.works jobs if you have been impacted or displaced or someone in your network has been and you're a recruiter and you're looking to help or you're looking for work. I think as of this morning, we had about 200 plus jobs sitting on there and they're for some pretty great companies. Uh, so we'd encourage you to check that out. And if it's not you, if you are fortunate enough to be um, pretty stable where you're at in your organization, we'd ask that you take that link and share that with your network to folks who might be looking. A lot of really good people out there that are looking for work right now. Uh, so with that, I want to go ahead and jump in. I'm going to pull out of the green room with my magical green room pulling abilities. There's Jerry. Jerry, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. I feel like <laughs> Johnny Carson's Ed McMahon, but other than that, we're good. Oh, we should get you to kick it off. And you can be like, here, you can do that. Yes. We should try that one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Nobody remembers time. who Johnny Carson or Ed McMahon is, so it's okay. Oh, why does this feel like it's an uncorked and it's actually just a regular <laughs> podcast? All right. Also, our guest today, longtime CXR member and alumni, Charlotte. Charlotte, how are you? Doing well. Doing well. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, love to do it. It is so great to see your face. It's so nice to connect with you. We've been in email for so long. For those, maybe, Charlotte, who, who don't know who you are, who aren't familiar with you, uh, why don't you give us uh, sort of an escalator pitch of who is Charlotte Cantu and, and, and why should we be listening to her today? Sure. No, I appreciate that. So I have been in the talent acquisition and management space um, for, gosh, now over 20 plus years, worked for some very small organizations, very large organizations. And it wasn't until a lot later in my career that I actually did get to wear the talent management hat. So again, primarily in TA, love it. As many of you are, it's a passion of mine. Um, and, and I would love to share a little bit more about the talent management side of my experience as we go forward today. I love that. So it's interesting you say that. So you got 20 years of, of recruiting industry experience under under your belt, but you are just now, I think, right at about 30 days into Tokyo right. Marine, right? You've just made a 40-year-old company, insurance industry, um, and you're the head of, head of TA over there. How are things in your new job? Yes. So it's been very, very interesting. And I say that because I've already had the opportunity within my first month to get up in front of two very large audiences and talk about this very topic, which is the candidate landscape today, the continuing war for talent, as both of you know, was a term that was coined back in 1997, but we are certainly feeling its effects still today. Um, in fact, I, I even said to the first audience that, you know, the war for talent is very healthy. The candidate is winning the war right now. So um, I am an example of what happens when people have options and sometimes when things are changing and shifting. So I uh, was at Waste Management for the last 10 years of my career. Awesome company, fantastic people to work with, was not looking very happy and got a call from someone who had been in my network again as many can relate to those listening and sometimes the timing just works out so had a chance to change industries which was again not something on my radar to do in this year or beyond but had a chance to do to change industries and to become a head of a function that i, I dearly love so it's it's been fantastic well, so, so Charlotte, talk to us. For those who maybe aren't familiar or, or who still think the line is a little fuzzy, and for some it may still be a little fuzzy, 
we say talent acquisition and we say talent management. Mm-hmm. So can you can you kind of break down the difference in your mind and your world bet- between the two? What what divides those two? Where's the start and stop? Sure, absolutely. So I think we can talk about it in terms of experience, right? So there's experience that takes place from the moment that someone becomes a potential candidate. And usually I think about it as everyone's a potential candidate. So what's the experience that people have in the realm of maybe they're working and are being approached or they're not working and they're looking for something. So the candidate experience all the way until someone becomes an employee falls into that acquisition space. Now, the talent management side of the house, there are blurry lines. And so we can talk more about what that how that really works in, in organizations that sometimes don't have those two functions delineated. So either in some cases, talent acquisition is picking up some of those responsibilities mm-hmm. or elements of learning and development or organizational effectiveness or however else it might be um, referred to internally picks up some of those blurred lines as well. But talent management to me is really what happens from the moment that someone is an employee and their experience that happens all the way through that life cycle. So it's, it's so the football, so to speak, gets passed at what? At, at onboarding, if you're going to be really generic about it, right? Really, really high level. It can be. I mean, I've worked, I've led talent acquisition teams that owned onboarding. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes the handoff is the person signs the offer or even verbally accepts it. And then the, the, uh, the TA, talent advisor, recruiter is handing it off to the next group of people. So it really just depends on how the model is set up. And many of you are familiar with center of expertise models in which a COE might then be over all of that, right? So they have essentially built out the lens of saying, okay, if we don't understand what's happening upstream, the TA forward looking lens and downstream, the the talent management lens looking back, um, and and honestly, it can go either direction, uh, then I think we're doing ourselves a little bit of a disservice. I think a COE model is a little bit progressive in the way that that, uh, that happens. Uh, but again, I've worked in organizations where it's it's functionally aligned and the collaboration between those functions just needs to be really tight. So, so Charlotte, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna play a little devil's advocate and I'm also gonna be a little vulnerable right now. And if we had sound effects on here, this is where we would play the world's <laughs> smallest violin. Uh, we dabbled, Jerry and I, uh, a number of years ago in expanding our membership because we've, we've been almost 30 years now, right? Mm-hmm. Talent acquisition. Uh, and we even brought in some resources to help with this into the talent management space. I remember. And I have to tell you, not an easy nut to crack. Like the, these folks were not as open and as collaborative as the talent acquisition professionals that we've been used to working with. And, and part of that, I'm sure, is like we have thir- you know three decades of experience with these TA folks. They trust us. They know us. But mm-hmm. even bringing in TM people that we knew didn't seem to be as uh, open, didn't seem to be as, as willing to openly sort of share and collaborate. Is that is that your experience? Were we ahead of the curve? Have things changed? Or is, is that your experience today? Is that sort of some of the barriers you're working to break down? Yeah, you know, that's really interesting, Chris, because I, I did wonder kind of how how it kind of fizzled out a bit, right? And so I think I think there's a few elements that play into that. I think talent management defined as talent management today is pretty much an emerging space. It really still is. It's kind of like we thought about the concept of internal mobility. That's never not been around, but it's one of the top three things that companies are talking about right now. 
And so why is it that it, that's become the topic of interest and who's managing it? Talent management now. So these mm -hmm. spaces are emerging. Think about it in terms of, a, of social media and social media leaders, you know, employee engagement leaders, DNI leaders. I mean, that's always been around to some regard. But as these things become more and more important to candidates, again, let's look at it from a TM, TA lens. We've got to know what's important to our candidates to attract them. Then those roles, because you've got to keep the story going and the experience going, we can't we can't uh, sell something that doesn't end up coming to fruition, right? That's where the retention happens, or the or rather the turnover happens. The retention yeah. doesn't happen in those regards. Um, so these these types of roles, talent management leaders, and then even specializations under talent management. When I had this hat at WM, I had the role of leading talent management. Well, that's it's a very broad term that encompassed everything from talent programs, everything from our internship programs to campus relations to uh, a program we had called Innovative Employment Pathways, all the different ways in which an employee would come in or a candidate rather to come into an organization as an employee or maybe not even as an employee, part-time, contingent, mm -hmm. gig workers, all part of a talent marketplace framework. That traditionally had not been managed by who? Who was managing it? HR generalists, potentially, to some degree. So talent management as a function, I think, and in my biased opinion, has decided to emerge um, in the last few years as, as a recognized and needed component to an HR team. So that's, I, I think that's re that's really great perspective. And I guess, Charlotte, I would ask you, I mean, if, if I'm at an organization and this is in front of us, uh, right, that's just it's just ahead. We're not there yet. We haven't we haven't drawn a definitive line between TA and TM. Uh, but we do have people doing that that type of work. Is is there any type of advice or, you know, any tips you have that would help me to be a better partner on the talent management side? Yeah, so absolutely. So coming into my current employer, TMHCC, there, there's not a defined talent management group. Um, there is a COE model in place, and uh, the, the business structure is such that a COE model works well. Um, there is a talent management, talent, I'm sorry, talent acquisition COE, which I was hired to do, but there's elements of talent management that really aren't well-defined and, and not, not because it's not important. It's just because, again, there's so many competing things happening. So there is an L&D group that ultimately has kind of absorbed a lot of what is, is taking place in the talent management world. So I see opportunities to make sure that my talent advisors, my recruiters are intimately familiar with all of the programs that we then have to sell. And just as importantly, if talent management teams or at least similar functions, L&D teams, um, optimization teams, that's a new emerging space in HR as well, talent optimization teams, if they're not intimately familiar with what's important to candidates and across those generations that are still working, and this is all new, this is not new to us, to anybody in the talent acquisition space. We've been talking about multi-generational workforces for a very long time, but there's so much data out there and especially post pandemic and what's important to people. If our talent management folks, again, no matter what you're called internally, if those folks aren't intimately aware of what TA has to sell and then deliver on it, there's a huge disconnect and that's what's going to happen when when candidates turning employees don't have the loyalty and leave within that 60 90 one year mark that i think a lot of companies are experiencing right now what occurs to me when you're talking about the coe model is and that's a difference when you're talking about 
talent acquisition or or talent management. It's as if they are standalone, you know, functions in silos, if you will. But when you're talking about a COE model, you're really inferring that the people within that silo are responsible in a far in a sense to know what their boundaries are and mm-hmm. to and to learn what the other you know silos are doing and impacting. Um, and it Absolutely. forces that kind of curiosity, if you will, for what can I learn about what you're doing that helps to align with what I need to do. And so as you talk about COE as a, as a more progressive model, uh, it occurs to me that, that it is, in fact, a little bit more progressive if you have that emphasis on it. It can be. I mean, I certainly know of some organizations that have had COE models and have chosen to go the other direction. It's kind of like the old adage of the pendulum swings one way and then give it a few years and it swings the other direction. So there, I don't think there's a right or wrong, honestly, model to put in place. I think that there's pros and cons to it. I think what we have to all be thinking about, whether we're leading talent acquisition teams, whether we wear dual hats and we kind of have one foot in the talent management space and one foot in TA, for example, or we're fully in a talent management model, but have to rely incredibly heavily on our talent acquisition partners is we have to be very, very mindful of not creating silos and really leading with that collaborative approach because candidates turn employees, turn alumni, they don't know the difference. All they know is how you make them feel and what their experience is and how many people they're talking to. And are we actually delivering on what we've sold them at the beginning? So if we're going to talk about things like, for example, career development is in one of my top three priorities at speaking from, you know, a generation I mean, you could probably look across the rest of the generations and I wouldn't be surprised if it emerged as top three in all of them to some regards, then what are we doing? What are we doing in those spaces? And when we talk about levels of employees, entry level, mid-career leaders, et cetera, if they're also coming back to us through various channels of employee voices, whether it's engagement surveys, pulse surveys, new hire surveys, et cetera, and they're saying, hey, the reason I joined is because you touted career development as something that is available here, I'm not seeing it, then, then we've misstepped. It's easy to put words on a piece of paper. It's easy to put things in a job description. It's easy to create really slick collateral and brochures and videos that say, hey, come join us because you can grow your career here. It's a very different thing to be linking elbows with all those groups internally, COEs, functions, specialized groups, et cetera, that really have the responsibility to to deliver on them. I I mean, I have to tell you, so Jerry is one of a very small cohort of people, I think, that put put candidate experience right on, on the map for us uh, from mm-hmm. a, you know, to a spotlight on it for years. Uh, and I remember maybe, maybe four or five years ago, we really started to see people talk more openly and actively kind of like you are Charlotte about employee experience. And I will never forget one of the toughest lessons I learned in my, when I was corporate in my corporate career was, you know, we spent um, we spent millions of dollars on an external brand, right? To your point, this mm-hmm. external brand that was launched, and everything you could think of was cared for, right? Mm-hmm. So from from elevator uh, wraps to you know tchotchkes mm-hmm. to portal websites, you name it, T-shirts, crazy, which is a whole other story, by the way. All of that was thought of, and then the toughest lesson we learned was. Five months in after that launch, we, you know, as we're busy patting ourselves on the back, we realize we didn't do anything for the internals. 
we, we did nothing for the employee base. And that, as, as wonderful as a promise that EVP was out front, we were falling short on communicating how we deliver it internally. It was there, the work was being done, but big miss, like really just huge, huge miss. Yeah. Well, I think about it. I mean, the, the, the acronym EVP, that's been around for a long time now. What's the first yep. letter stand for? Employee. So what's the employee's value proposition? Might as well just say CVP if we're really just going to be talking about candidates, right? And so really making that an experience that's drawn all the way through. It'd be great to see something like the Candidate Experience Awards, you know, emerge through the later parts of an employee life cycle. I'm sure that there's mm -hmm. there's things out there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a great segue for you guys. <laughs> it is. I'll bet we get more traction than we did with talent management five years ago. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think I do think though that this career issue is is going to be increasingly important as as we educate uh, both candidates and employees to mm -hmm. think about their job in or their work in relation to what a job is, a job in relation mm -hmm. to what their career is, and a career in relation to their life stage currently. Um, they, you know, if the pandemic has taught us anything, it is this blend. That, uh, that more and more people are trying to figure out. And if an employer can be, you know, enhance their ability to do that and, and have conversations around that, I think it, it is another way to align that talent management and talent acquisition. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we'll continue to see trends like programmatic uh, retention efforts emerge both internally and as ways to gain candidates through emerging leadership internally, but then early career for external. Um, I mentioned earlier, you know, gig works that has not gone away. I think, I don't know that I've, I've seen a whole lot of great examples of gig programs and some, there's, there's some bits and pieces there. And there's certainly some technology that, that claims to, to kind of facilitate that through, but, you know, our traditional applicant tracking models still lack those functionalities to really help facilitate the new world of what I'll call talent marketplaces. And even the term talent marketplaces right now, if you if you go online and Google a bunch of that, it's it's really technology platforms. Mm -hmm. I don't think of it like that. I think of it more of as a as a talent management philosophy and really wrapping our arms around it in terms of, again, various channels all coming together to your point, Jerry, and recognizing that not everyone has the same intention of how long they want their career to be, what kind of work they want to do. Yep. How work is done has changed, where work has done has changed. And so it requires a lot more thinking, I think, more long term from employers than we ever really have in the past on yeah. how to structure that. Yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. Yeah, 100%. I love the way your brain works. So, Sharon, let me let me ask you in the, in the same spirit of uh, sharing lessons learned. What do you think you would maybe tell your your younger self of what maybe what was it six seven years ago? I think you were still at WM, and I even think your title had both both talent acquisition and talent management in it, right? That piece and that work you were doing. If you could go back in time seven years ago, would would there be a big watch out? Would there would there be an, a message of encouragement? What what would you tell yourself? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And I often think about that, honestly. I mean, using myself as an example, but then those that continue to just be in my network is I and and I'm I almost kind of have an apology before I say this, is that I would have I would really have stepped out of talent acquisition a lot earlier 
to expand the perspective I was having within HR. I loved what I was doing so much. So I said, you know what, let me just keep growing NTA and I'll just become an expert and a better way to do this, or we'll have the greatest technology and improve our processes by this much or save dollars in this way. And all those things I was able to happily say, you know, I can, I did, or with my teams, I did, but I did it in a very um, specific lens. It was not until I actually did, I'll say be courageous enough because any kind of change sometimes requires us to be brave to step outside of my comfort zone and say, you know what, maybe I didn't inherently have this initial passion for a different area, but I never gave it a chance. And I wish I would have done that way earlier because I will tell you there's so much fun in talent management and there's so much yet to be done and to lead, um, but it can't be done without having, again, I think that complete lens across both. So um, the hat that I wear today, I am super excited that I get to pull elements of both into. Um, but anyone out there that may be listening and maybe you're earlier in your career and trying to think about what you might want to do is I, one of my best pieces of advice is be open to collecting additional experience and bring it back. If your passion truly is in one area, you're going to know it, but just step outside for a bit and bring it back. Cause it really does make a difference. I love that. Take, take a risk, take a tour, mm -hmm. uh, right. Take a year or so. And there are a lot of employers that are willing to do that. If you step up and ask, uh, mm -hmm. But take a tour outside of your comfort zone and maybe maybe see if you broaden your knowledge or if you solidify the fact that, well, you belong back over there where, <laughs> where you were at. Sure. Yeah, I love that. So, Charlotte, if you were if you were going to write a book today about uh, everything that you have learned, this 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 passion for talent management, what do you think the title of that book would be? Yeah, it's, you know, I think there's a lot of titles that may sound similar, but I think it's because it really hits people in a very similar way. It's the intersection between passion and purpose. I think that that's at the core of really being able to understand how to keep great talent and how to let great talent go when it's time for them to go, because that's not always recognized either, is that people can come in and can drop their best contributions in your lap at the employer that they're at then but then need to go on for, for a number of other reasons. And that to me uh, really comes back to inherently how that individual is, what's their purpose at that point in time in their life, and then what's their passion, maybe what they're doing, but also the passion outside of work. And where those two intersect is where I think people do their best work. And again, uh, a lot of how I view someone's experience once they come into an employer and what, they, what their experience is, however long they're there, is making sure that our philosophy, our people philosophy is supporting that, not forcing the square peg in the round hole, not forcing mm -hmm. someone to do a job that they might be good at, but they're not passionate about. And so I don't know, there'd be some elements of all of what I just described if I were to write a book about it. I, well, I like that intersection of what was the intersection of passion and, passion and purpose. purpose. I feel like that would make a great tattoo. <laughs> right? To sort of tie those together. We could get it just on our backs, really, really big. Oh goodness, with CXR <laughs> written across it, right? <laughs> there's a. I don't understand why there's not a you know a race to the tattoo shop for our crazy. Awesome. <laughs> That's okay. My challenge accepted. I'm going to come to the next meeting with a with a, a temporary CXR tattoo with that on it. Uh, well, Charlotte, if you wrote that book, who who would you give? Who who in your career has been influential enough that you think you would give that first signed copy to? Oh goodness, um, quite a few, but I will tell you that they, they're, um, 
there are two individuals, both women, that have been incredibly uh, influential in my career, and both of them are very different from one another. And um, one of them was a former boss from many, many years ago, but who also became a confidant and later on my career coach. Her name is Donna Hastings, and uh, she's someone that I keep touch with today. Had a an excellent career. In fact, her her career was more in the, the OD, the, the more traditional OD in the talent management space. And then I would also have to uh, reach out back again to the individual that I worked with under her leadership for quite a few years at Waste Management, which was Melchia McDuffie, who is now in a CHRO role at Clean Harbors. So both of them just were extremely influential in, in very different ways. And I think would, uh, would appreciate probably stories that I could share about both of them in a book like that. I'll bet they would. Well, look, Charlotte, uh, much gratitude. So grateful for you to uh, jump into the meeting uh, and make the podcast show with us today. It's always great to catch up with you. I can't wait till we see you again at the new, the, you know, the next CXR meetings. It's long overdue. Yes, it is. Thank you so much again for having me. It was a pleasure. Of course, of course. Really quickly, uh, I'll take us out. I'm not even going to shove you back in the green room. So just hang out for a second. Uh, I want to remind everybody who's uh, watching and listening to check out the community and see if you qualify. Uh, we've got over 130 other companies. Uh, we're looking at about 5,000 recruiting leaders and professionals collectively. Uh, all you got to do is go to CXR.works, check it out, see what you're missing, see if you qualify and connect with us, right? Uh, I also want to remind you once again, I know I mentioned this earlier, but I want you to pass along the CXR.works slash jobs URL. As of this morning, again, over 200 recruiting jobs. Uh, out there that are open and hiring around the world. And quite a few of those are, of course, remote. So if you're lucky enough to be in a stable role where you're at today, it doesn't mean you can't help uh, your community and pass that along. And with that, I want to say thanks to everybody for joining us again, and we will catch you next time. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time.